Hello, everybody, and welcome to Night Vale, the improvised comedy podcast or whatever that is. Is it a scripted? Folks, this is Ammonite Movie Night. Kevin Jared here. I can't even land the bit. Ooh, I'm in a spooky town with a radio. Get it? The radio is crazy. Whoa, analog terror. This is a show about the crazy radio. What if we did one week? What if we did one week where we literally recapped Welcome to Night Vale and had serious discussions on it like we do? Hmm. I don't know. That sounds like something from another universe. Yeah. It doesn't sound like us, but it sounds like us from, you know, like Earth 7 or something like that. <laughs> so it sounds like it's the Earth where we, we have three listeners and uh, they are all prisoners. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. We're going to talk about movies this time. What if we talked about movies? We could talk about. What if we talk? What if we talked about four episodes of the Flintstones? <laughs> I don't like this bit. I'm done with this bit. That, this is bit. We're done. Um, I feel like we should save the Batman. Yes. We'll talk. Uh, I will not spoil the Batman from himself or DC. Yes. Um, look, folks, it's the watch I've been watching segment. This show is already just on a, on a tear. Um, <laughs> we're going to save Batman until the end. I saw Batman, uh, Jared, you'll be able to see it in 40 days. No kidding. Oh, they're going to put on an HBO max. That yeah. The window for all their 2022 stuff is 40, 45 days. Excellent. Or, That's or so they said, um, they're not advertising that. Because go get COVID at the movies. Um, although, although I will admit, I will be first in line to see uh, Roland Emmerich's Elvis. Oh goodness! Wait, why don't you? Just no, it's the Carpenter it's, movie. it's no, it's not Roland Emmerich. It's um, the other guy. Oh my god, Michael Bay. No, um, Michael Bay, Moulin Rouge, Baz Luhrmann. Oh my Jesus. god, Jesus, Michael Bay. What are you gonna What are you gonna do when uh, Davy Jones pops out in that mo- middle of that movie? Oh my god! <laughs> what if he starts shaking his hips? I think that Elvis movie might be the longest movie I ever see. I have to be real. This the the Batman movie was pretty long. The Godfather was a breeze in comparison to Batman, although I loved it. Um, spoilers. Heard it was a uh, very close to a police procedural. Yeah, police procedural. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Uh, uh, if Raymond Chandler was in the Black Parade, <laughs> um, and he was a weird voyeur pervert. <laughs> um, so Batman talk coming up. We have our our double feature: uh, two dark, brooding stories about isolationist men. Um, <laughs> um, yes, Brad, continue. an excellent early performance from Brad Pitt and Johnny Swade, and then Paul Schrader's first Reformed. A uh, kind of early '90s indie movie taking place in Brooklyn, um, and first reformed, starring Lena, starting starring uh, Lena Dunham. Wait, you said '90s? Oh. Crap! I thought you said two, I thought you said uh, like oh. or something. I got excited. I jumped way ahead of myself. Oh my god! I made a fool. I made a fool of myself. Hey here. Jared, hey, did you watch any movies this week? I didn't really have as much time. Sure, but I sat a friend down. She's getting into anime. It's like, ah, have you seen Fooly Cooly? So watched a good bit of Fooly Cooly. We did not get to the last episode, which I love to death. 
Um, I'm going on the assumption that most people listening to us have watched Fooly Cooly. We were all 12 when it came out on Toonami. Perfect age to sit down and go, is that me? Is that what happens? Am I going to get boners too? And it's just as fun the first time, second time, third time, fourth time. I think I'm. this is my seventh time watching this show. Frantic, out of control, insanity as best girl, who's also the most annoying person on the planet. Kevin, you have not watched Fooly Cooly, right? I haven't seen it since I was a kid, since like maybe the second or third time it aired on Toonami or Adult Swim mm. or whatever at the time. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, that was Adult Swim. Yeah. I, I think you should rewatch it soon. I think it's, it's about time. It's... There are many movies and shows that you can only return to with a sense of nostalgia. Fooly Cooly is just as fresh. It doesn't feel like you have to be 12 to like it. You just have to stay on your toes and listen to everything they say and do. Because, damn, they just pack in all the information within the first two episodes. Just front-loaded all that crap. Jared, how how long? It's six half hours, right? So it's three hours long? Uh, No, 22 to 25 minutes oh, each. So you could watch it in, sing- in a sitting. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it'd be very welcome in Davy Jones's locker, you could That's say. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sorry. You're good. I'm just we'll jump back in when you're done. Okay. But yeah, fully coolly. If you haven't watched it, or what what's you up to? It's uh, two and a half hours at most. You'll love it. And if you don't love it, then, well, I don't know, man. That's on you. So good. But, uh, yeah, what have you been watching outside of the Batman? Okay. I have, <laughs> I have a confession to make, a journey to remark upon, and then we'll talk about the Batman. Mm-hmm. My first, my confession... I have been watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel at two X speed. Oh my God. <laughs> Here's why an hour is a very long time. Yes. And e- look, I love the show. I'm having a blast with it, especially lately. Once I started cranking it up, you can't tell me that this show deserves to be an hour long. <laughs> there are some episodes where the beats roll in circles. They come back to early. I'm like, oh my God, can't we just move on? Um, and I love the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which, you know, the fact, you know, the fact that I can watch it at two X speed tells you everything you need to know about my relationship with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. You like it, but you know, there are other things to do. It is the opposite of everything you like and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> it is uh, a cheery kind of cornily written sweet enough show um, there's a Lenny Bruce who's not bad mm-hmm. not bad um, Shazam is the is the new guy spoiler alert I'm, I'm at the end of season Ooh. two here young Shazam yeah well old Shazam really. Chuck right I think so he looks like a chuck. I don't know. I'm having fun. Charles. Rachel Bro Bro you know, um 
I, I think there yeah. was some controversy because the marvelous how, could, how should I put this? The marvelous Mrs. Maisel is played by a woman who's named Rachel Ah Broshannon. Mm. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. I think, you know, <laughs> frankly, frankly, could have fooled me. I, I have to be honest. <laughs> uh well let let me be the judge of that. Let me watch an episode at uh two times speed and see if I catch it. I think you should watch it at point five speed if you're only gonna watch one. <laughs> like uh at what at what speed does everyone sound like they're on helium? It's not two times. It has to be at least four. On sp- on uh, Audacity, it's two times. But on the video speed, it's just sped up. It's not the pitch isn't affected. Uh-huh. Uh, it would definitely. <laughs> it would be higher on your list if it, if the speed affected the pitch. I'd, I'd have canceled the show forever until <laughs> I finish Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> this would become the Mrs. Maisel pod. Oh, my God. That would be the. Oh my God. What would be worse oh, than just me talking about Mrs. Maisel for up to an hour a week? <laughs> oh my God. That would be hellish. I don't know. I have an idea. I think one of them involves talking about the Flintstones for over. <laughs> yeah, but that was us. And that was four episodes. Okay. Hannah and Barbara knew when to get out. Oh, yes. They, they knew did. when to get out. We just followed him up. And it was minutes after saying something extremely racist. That's what we learned. (laughs) Mm, The hard way. Oh, God. Um, What else am I watching? Oh, I watched almost all the John Waters movies. Um, I wanted to comment. You you, uh, reviewed Polyester, I think it was, and you were raving about it on Letterboxd. I was a huge fan of Polyester. And then I just kept being a huge fan of all his stuff. Um, there's a, there was a point, his kind of the peak of his career, the early stuff, um, the dreamlander stuff is really fun and good in its own way. And, but then the studio mm-hmm. stuff, hairspray and Crybaby and serial mom all really connect really nicely in a way that must've alienated a ton of people at the time, even in an Edward Scissorhands world, right? Like that was popular, mm-hmm. but not like. I don't know. Well, Crybaby is just for me only. <laughs> Burton, Burton, Burton is way more approachable than Waters. I can say that. Oh much. yeah, I mean, people don't eat shit in in uh, Batman Returns. Literally, they eat it emotionally. You know, you know. If there's one of his films that I think someone would eat, matter, <laughs> it's it Batman, Returns. Batman Returns. Yeah, I agree. Like the fact that we don't have like Danny DeVito's like. Ah! shoving like fecal matter into his mouth at some point in that movie. It feels like a bit of a disservice. I feel like McDonald's said no to that. They had to put their foot down somewhere. Oh my God. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, the approachability thing is a factor, but, but hairspray and Crybaby are more or less approachable. Serial mom, mm. maybe not so much. Right. And then, but like Pecker, for example, which is such a saccharine, like, I don't know, man. It's just so sweet mm. and treacly. Ed Furlong as this G wow kid years after, like a handful of years after Terminator two. Very odd. Oh, very odd. He was like 16, 17 by that point. too. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, you know, I watched Cecil be demented last night, which is his, uh, kind of worked as it's a parody of the Patty Hearst kidnapping in which Patricia Hearst appears in a cameo, which is, Patricia Hearst and John Waters were friends in the nineties and he put her in a bunch of the movies. Amazing. Um, 
where it's like a bunch of um, punk terrorist film lovers. Stop me if you've heard this one before. A bunch of radicals mm. kidnap a famous person and force them to be in a movie. <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah, it's Southland Tales. Weird. Oh, my it's God. It's Southland Tales. That's so good. Um, but it feels, you know, after American Pie, the world had kind of moved on, right? I feel like American pie is a delineation in the career of John waters where he's mm-hmm. trying to comment. He makes this movie pecker, which is just so sweet and so treacly. Even the offensive stuff comes off kind of weird. And then he comes back with Cecil be demented. And the whole point of Cecil be demented is that like, it's a parody of the dreamlanders. I don't know how to read Cecil be demented in particular is odd. Um, but Needless to say, I did buy Multiple Maniacs and Female Trouble in the Criterion sale. And, uh, you know, an anniversary edition of Pink Flamingos is coming up from Criterion in June. One, wanted to add real fast. If anyone wants to weigh in on uh, what Kevin said about Cecil Be Demented and the relationship yes. between those movies, please please send some stuff in. I am I don't know very much about John Waters' movies, unfortunately. It goes against character, I know. So please send some stuff in. We'd love to hear your, you guys. Hey, look, Don't give me that look. Adam. Not for nothing. No, but like not for nothing, but I should have watched his stuff when we met, right? Like 15 oh. years ago. And oh, yeah. I was watching them all over the last week and I was like, well, this is now one of my favorite movies. And this is now one of my favorite movies. And this, it was great. I couldn't believe it. Um, and yes, it's, we want to hear from you yeah. about Cecil B. Demented because I am curious as to how people perceived it, especially if by chance, by miracle, you saw it when it came out and had known about Waters or like, again, any anything anyone has to say about that movie, I'm curious. We'd love to hear like a, a John Waters like introduction party. We all t- We all say to each other how we... F- watched our first John Waters movie just to see how it came about. Was it a friend? Was it recommended online? Did you pull it from the blockbuster when you were six years old and didn't tell your parents? Ooh, six is young. No. Yeah. That's a lot. That's bad. I, um, (laughs) I learned about him on the Simpsons. He guest starred on an episode where, uh, Homer is afraid that Bart is a homosexual. It's a good one. Do I? John, John, te- he has the mustache and he teaches Homer about camp. That, what season is that? That sounds like a really great uh, season eight. It's called Homer's phobia. Hmm. I'll put that on the list of the inevitable, like the Davy Jones episode where I make you watch three hours of the Simpsons. Um, I mean, you're not gonna have to twist my arm until it's like one of the later ones. Then they get, Oh more. no, 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 no. This would be the cream of the crop. Hell Yeah. The Citizen Kane uh, parody, uh, the Poochie Bart, one. Bart the General. General Bart. Alabama. I know you like season one, so I wouldn't pull from that. You know those already. Yeah. Oop. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, those are those are among my favorites. So. Um. All right. I do not want to ruin the Batman for people. There are some things that you need to know that we all can agree aren't spoilers. Okay. Before we move on here. The Batman is a movie where Robert Pattinson plays Batman. He's trying to solve a series of heinous crimes by the Riddler, who's Paul Dano in this, or Dano, Dano. Uh, He makes sexy googly eyes at Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, and he high-fives Jeffrey Wright's excellent Gordon. He high-fives Gordon? Not literally. 
He high fives okay, him in, yeah. in the way you would in a Raymond Chandler novel. Um, uh, Andy Circus so plays handshake. Alfred. That is the kind of information you're going to hear for the next like five or ten minutes. I've been meaning to ask about Circus's portrayal of Alfred because that's the one thing no I haven't heard from any. Yeah, you haven't heard. I mean, to be fair, is it a portrayal? When you have Bob Pattinson and uh, Zoe Kravitz on screen, it's like, all right, who's who is everyone else in this movie? Let's look at these people instead. These beautiful, beautiful Black Parade people. Okay, um, he's not in it very much. Oh. He is pivotal to the plot, but is not in it very much. So he's he's the pl- he's the plot. Alfred. He's very good, but there's Elliot. not a lot of room for Alfred. This is a story about like. Like Batman is a detective and he goes out and he solves crimes. It's not like Nolan where like Alfred is an accomplice in it. Alfred, you know, is there and helps out. He sews the wounds and stuff, but it's not, you know, um, that is, by the sounds of it, it's, it really, it really comes off like this movie is a day in the life of Batman more so than the Nolan films or even Batman V Superman, where it was a big catastrophic event. Each movie. Uh, I would say if you like catastrophic events, you won't be disappointed by the Batman. Oh boy. (laughs) Does the Riddler use his big blue energy beam to shoot down from the sky? I would, you know, I will say a color I fucking needed bad was blue after this movie. Um, I looked up at the, I I was like the sky. What is that? What is that color in the air? Um, so generally the movie reminded me of one of those, DC black label miniseries they put out lately to trick us into reading comics again. Um, Mm -hmm. that are very good, but unafraid of dealing with their story as their own thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, Batman, his past, his present, his future is not what you think it is. No one's relationships are what you think they are. This is a new story first continuity, what continuity, um, which DC has been doing more of lately and it works mm-hmm. as it turns out, like the rule of cool applies in the real world, right? Where if this thing is cool, no one will really care. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I don't know. It's emotional. When I was a young boy, my father took me to the city to see a marching band. My father was Thomas Wayne. Man. Man, oof. We're going to have a Batman that is theoretically born in 1992. Yeah. Eventually at some point in our lives. I think it's happened. I think think the math checks out. The the Waynes were killed. Okay. Thomas and Martha Wayne were killed. General knowledge, right? Not a spoiler. Yeah. Um, They were killed in 2001 in this. Which if you think about. Straight up tell you 2001. Yeah. Well, because it takes place now. Bruce Wayne is. That means Bruce Wayne is technically a little younger than yeah, us. Yeah, Robert Pattinson's age. Robert Pattinson is close to us, or he plays close to us, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, makes sense. He's a uh, Because ba- uh, Bruce Wayne is either eight or ten when his parents are shot, and they flip-flop on it depending on whatever they write down that day. So, technically, he was born in 91 or uh, 93, right? We're old, Jared. That's weird. We're Batman age. That's very... Jesus. <laughs> There's a chance that... Um, that uh, Bruce Wayne was sitting in the theater instead of playing, instead of watching Mark of Zorro, who's playing Pokemon Gold or Pokemon Silver. There was a tweet over the weekend that said, like, 
Thomas and Martha Wayne were killed in 2001, which means that the movie they were walking out of must have been Shrek. <laughs> I thought Shrek was 2000. No, it's 2001, April 2001. I'll never get that straight. Swear. That's, uh, could you imagine Thomas Wayne deciding to go to Shrek? Do you think they went to Shrek because Bruce asked for it or because like they made an executive decision? Oh, let's take our kid out. I think that that's one of those situations where I don't know. Could you imagine? Okay. Here's the thing. Do you think there'll be a, there needs to be a tie in comic to explain it. Look, you're like the parent of a young kid, right? You're going to Shrek Mm -hmm. like duh, right? (laughs) I don't think that it's that that is like funny. I think it is dying after having just seen Shrek. Like your last decision that you made in your life was the popcorn. You, the size of popcorn as you walk into Shrek, which Mm -hmm. is disastrous to me. (laughs) That is fucking devastating. Actually. I'd say, I'd say that, uh, really, Really plays into some uh, aspects of First Reformed. Oh yeah, this movie is it's it's Fincher's Batman. It's a little bit of Schrader's yes. Batman. It's it's utterly it's bizarre. It's a great. Tortured, a, a self torturing weirdo with a lot of problems and obsessions fights the Zodiac Killer. I mean, that's Paul Schrader and Fincher right there mixed into a little soup. The, it's interesting that they've been doing that lately. Well, not lately, but just the last movie they did, last Black Label with Joker. They've been really pulling from those 70s Scorsese, Schrader. Even Zodiac is, takes place in the 70s because that's when the Zodiac killings occurred. They're really pulling from that time period for visual and just character and emotional writing. It is very weird because unlike Joker, this is set. In a, in a funky, you know, I, I hammered on Black Label because it felt like, you know, we gave whoever, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Reeves sat in a room with one of our guys and they came up with the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Batmobile is a, a charger, right? Mm-hmm. It's very cool. It's the best Batmobile uh, possibly ever. Um, but like, you know, this is my funky vision of, of Batman. It's not really married to anything. Aesthetically, it sounds like it's similar to what Bruce Tim and uh, Deanie and all those guys did for Batman the Animated Series, where they pull from different elements to create their own vision of the Gotham. Yeah. That's... You, have black, you have black and white computers and like that kind of thing. And, you know, people have Tommy guns. Also, there's a computer right next to that guy, like just creating a vision of this world yeah i mean um it's just as stark as burton you know doing it in his warehouse at a dutch angle right or schumacher's warehouse in the dutch angle neon right because we're doing an adam west (laughs) pastiche or adam west himself Mm -hmm. right or dozier with batman or with uh Mm -hmm. like I think part of the thing, too, is the style is such a crazy right turn because we just had two very, like, one very grounded reel and the other very, uh, like, edgelord reel. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, So, look, we could talk about this all day, but here's the thing. It's coming out in, like, a month on HBO, and then once you see it, maybe we'll do something a little more in-depth on that. Yeah. I'd be down for that. 
uh, we might we'll probably wait like a week after it comes out on uh, HBO Max, just so everyone can watch it. We can talk spoilers free, uh, freely. Let's let, let's let everybody talk about it. You know, the last thing you want to do yeah. is uh, ruin the secrets of the Batman. Uh, I I couldn't believe that it was set in the Matrix. <laughs> I could believe that Batman's a weird pervert. <laughs> well, stay tuned. I, I keep harp I keep harping on that, but. It adds such a layer to the character that never gets touched on. They're all cowards. I couldn't like believe Bert. that was mentioned. Um, <laughs> all right. So next week we're doing Grindhouse. I want to watch Grindhouse. We're watching Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. I hope you know, Kevin, this will, once I finish Grindhouse, I'll watch every Quentin Tarantino movie. You've never, wait, I thought, see, I, I get mixed up because I thought you, not with us, but I thought you saw it. No, I've never watched um, either movie together or separate. Yeah, well, um, you'll see. I liked. I, I enjoyed Death Proof. I think Death Proof is a really good movie. I think Planet Terror in the package is great. Mm. I cannot think. Uh, I don't want to. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, we have a we have a whole week. We have to, a whole uh, week to it. think <laughs> about Planet Terror by itself. I'm sure the <laughs> oh, review no. will be great. Oh no, I'm excited. All right. Um, so let's dive right in before the show. We decided the first movie we talk about is 1991's Johnny Swade. It's the directorial Mm. debut of Tom DeSillo. I picked this movie because it seemed kind of nice. And, uh, the, the, the look of Brad Pitt, I had, I had to see it. It's leaving criterion at the end of this month. So if you would like to check it out, there it is. Highly recommend you check it out. It is a really fun, goofy, weird, occasionally has something to say movie. It was so like just nice, you know? It's one of these mm-hmm. early nineties New York indie movies that is just so like like pleasurable to watch. There were points where if you took out some of the sexuality, you could easily turn it into a kid's movie. Sure. With a with a message about being yourself and the whole rockabilly fifties hairstyle thing. But you know, that's also just called HBO max's cartoon network, live action universe, Johnny Bravo. So. See, I also feel like, you know, isn't a live action Johnny Bravo coming. Hasn't someone mentioned this? Oh no. It might be. I just figured I, it might have been me j- to, like joking about my worst fears. No, when you, it comes to these you, live action you were movies. joking just then. Oh, I don't know, dude. Oh, <laughs> he's David. This is like jo- like Johnny Swade is what David Lynch imagines to be the coolest guy in the world up until like the end of like the first half. Like the first half, that little area is like, oh, wow, this is David Lynch's guy. Then the rest of it's just a, you know pointed look at that kind of person (laughs) i like that we got to see some truth i loved i loved that this is a movie so much about how cool the idea of this guy is but also not afraid to show that like the guy has no idea (laughs) of anything he's doing no in the world like when he's when he's bragging to uh to his friend and he just has no idea what he's talking about (laughs) thank you i i really needed to hear this conversation about uh, when he's talking about <laughs> fingering his girlfriend correctly. So weird. 
His friend is like, ah, you're a dumbass. He's, he's like, he's talking about something he saw in the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh. But you, so we should probably describe the plot, but the plot really is Brad Pitt is a guy who Nate called himself Johnny Swade. He has a rock and pompadour. He can't play the guitar. And he just sort of floats through life for a while. Surrounded first by people who enable him, such as his then girlfriend, who kind of just go, they kind of just bounce off each other in this goofy, melodramatic love soap opera, which pairs perfectly with the, set, the later relationship where that's an actual human being. And his bandmates, who are kind of, you know, similar level of goofy, but like a little more ambitious, a little more put together. And then the movie sort of ends. Well, there's the whole, uh, the whole Catherine Keener, Yvonne love story that mm-hmm. destroys the pompadour in the end. Mm-hmm. I loved that. It, it, and, it like poofed in like a cake. Yeah. Grab and like has a, it curls around his head and just falls apart. It almost looks like a normal everyday hairstyle at that point. Blooming onion. Which, yeah. <laughs> but that also felt like the point. Like first half is showing off how he thinks of himself, how cool he is. And then the rest of it is, man. This Yvonne character really puts uh, Johnny Swade into perspective, doesn't right. it? The um, I have a note here. Oh my goodness! Do you hear those? Oh my god! Yeah. Are they are they I fans? Closed. Oh my god! They're honking for Johnny Swade. They're honking for Swade. They're here. Ha! Swade's a funny thing. He's one of our boys. All right. Well, I'll, I'll continue when this lets up. Yeah. No sweat. There were scenes of uh, him wandering this modern day like city. It reminded me of uh, a racer head at the very start where uh, Henry is wandering through destroyed Philadelphia. And he has that obviously the big hair comparison, but he's also dressed in a way that just doesn't look correct with his environment. Mm. Same as same as uh, Johnny Swade. He's a big 50s guy. And then you see a, a car from the 90s or like t- there was a part where he ta- says, um, oh, man, what, what are the good aspects of having of uh, being with being with uh, Yvonne? It's like, oh, color TV. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like unless unless I'm mistaken, this movie takes place in the 90s where color TV was fairly common compared to the 50s. <laughs> He's really just a man out of time and it has there's a reason for it, but like it just stands out so so interestingly at the start he's like a jrpg protagonist without a party huh that's an interesting <laughs> way to put it i like that actually whenever you want just know whenever you see a weird looking dude on the streets it's up oh, he's off to kill god i mean or the king was... or the demon king <laughs> the demon Sorry, king who is also going. your alter ego when you sleep <laughs> and is god too and is just god. in case you forgot you know they did shoot this in williamsburg <laughs> I don't know what it was like back then, but these days it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to see a guy like this. Oh yeah. Back then, back then, uh, nah, I don't think you'd see many, many fellas like this wandering around. (laughs) Okay. Did you know Nick cave was going to be in this movie? I knew it because he, the name Nick cave stuck out to me in on the letterboxd. 
Cause he's like mm-hmm. in the middle, but he's like right in the middle, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, Nick cave. I think I even read it out on the show, but, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, mm, when is Nick cave showing up? You'd think you'd want to, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> as this, like, uh, I don't want to say like David Bowie thing. He's got a lot going on. This guy freak storm is like who Johnny will become. If he continues if down he this continues. path, this rotten, mm-hmm. weird. He'll go from Johnny Slate, Johnny Suede to Johnny Rotten, wouldn't he? To Johnny Valor Waterbed. Ugh. Yeah. God, a Valor Waterbed would be so gross. Why did I say that? There's a great shot where you're reintroduced to the character, to his job. Freak, what was it? Freak Storm? Yeah, freak yeah, Freak Storm. Storm. Yeah, freak storm. You're in, reintroduced to him, and he's hanging out in a little alleyway, and he lights a lights a match and illuminates his face and part of his hair. It's like, ah, that's cool. That's a nice shot. That's my contribution about that scene. I just thought it was really cool looking. Then he feeds him bad chicken. <laughs> oh God, there is a lot of cool like. This is like kind of a hidden gem. I'm really glad that, frankly, I'm proud that I found this movie. Because it's full of stuff yeah. like this that's just so clever that you would never see. Because why would why would anyone talk about Johnny Swade on the surface? I guess yeah. That that most people mention. Oh, it's a Brad Pitt's first acting role. Well, well, he was in like he was a few. He was in Thelma and Louise before that. Right. But it was apparently. one of his first. No one had seen Thelma and Louise at that point, including me. Hmm. Actually, it's funny. Um, I was reading about it a bit. And uh, Thelma and Louise had been filmed, but it was in the That's editing right. process. Right. So, so he, when he came up to them, like, "Yeah, I want to star in this." It's like, "Okay, what have you been in?" This one thing that like, doesn't isn't out yet, but they picked him up, picked up on him anyway. I mean, he has a good look, and he's great. He's as great here as he is in any movie. Oh yeah, you can tell from the very start that this guy's gonna go somewhere. Oh man, I still stick to it that uh, Brad Pitt is a character actor stuck in the body of an Adonis. That is really well put. And I think you're totally right. Right. He is, uh, it's like a Greek myth. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yes. That's great. (laughs) He didn't just this very beautiful flawed person. He didn't want beauty. (laughs) He prayed to become a successful actor, but he didn't realize is that comes with a cost. And so he, he was pigeonholed until he got old or whatever. He's Mm -hmm. the guy's still great. It re- that really stuck out to me when I saw Burn After Reading for the first yes. time. Was like, you're a really weird guy, and I love it. He is so funny. <laughs> Another Brad Pitt grade. He's so funny. Um, man, we should do a segment called The Pit. <laughs> and this is what we do every week is we just talk about, we don't even review a set movie. We just talk about Brad. I'm down for that. That sounds this great. It's called The Pit. Oh, my God. Speaking of... Just guy, just weird guys. This movie reminded me of that Frasier movie where there was a guy in the fifties who hid underground in like the um, bomb shelter, came up oh, and found yeah. out that the world is now the nineties. Oh coming soon to Ammonite Movie Night. Wink, blast from the past. Yeah, yeah. I yes. love. Okay, that's what it's called. It is, that is a T- Saturday morning TNT classic. I've seen that. I've seen like ha- like chunks of that movie a million times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Again, like you said, T- a TNT Saturday morning classic. <laughs> uh, hmm. 
Do you have anything else to say about uh, John? I don't really have a lot to say about it. I think it's nice. I said last week, you know, I was inaccurate when I said it's a nothing happening. What I mean is, you know, Jim Jarmusch films, especially the early films Mm -hmm. with this, which this resembles. I think uh, this guy worked with Jarmusch on a bunch of those early movies. Um, He actually he actually threw Johnny Swade at Jarmusch for some advice like early on. I'm sure he did. And it has a very similar Mm -hmm. form. Um, the, the phrase nothing going on is deceptive is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, there's, there's, it's a character movie. It's about this one weird guy who uses his, uses this persona to hide, to hide his real vulnerability and his real self. And then by the end, you gotta grow up sometime. <laughs> no, that's totally right. Um, Jared on a scale of one to five, what are you giving Johnny Swade? Three and a Three half. Three and a half. Above, above average. Solid movie. This is the show that gives seven out of tens. <laughs> We've done it again. This is like, this is not the first time this has happened. Nah, uh, oh man, honestly, three three point five is like, that's a good movie. That's a movie I want other people to see. You I feel I mean? like one star and sub three star movies are so intense that sometimes you want mm-hmm. the three and a half, which is just temperate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. terrible and it's not great. It's not going to blow your yeah, mind. It's, it's it's Pleasantville. It's blast from this is actually. I think a lot of my favorite movies are three point five gold gems. You know, mm-hmm. stuff where there's there's a there's a lot of stuff going on under there. A lot of you can actually talk about it. It's not perfect. Yeah. It's not what we're about to talk about. A lot of them. A lot of them are five star movies for me. I will say, like uh, Small Soldiers, Blast from the Past, Pleasantville. You know, in my heart, they're five stars, but we know what's going on here. Matinee with John Goodman. We know what that is, but it's a five-star movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In no, here. I getcha. Totally getcha. In here. All right. Are you ready to get reformed? Where the blood goes. Um, Is that when they dip your head underwater? Reformed. So I think we should start this with our scores because we all know what's going to happen. Five out of five. It's a ten-star movie from Eminem Movie Night. You thought we were the home of seven-star yep. movies? Seven star movies are for dorks. First Reformed nope, is fucking it. sick. It is a movie. Okay. When you told me you picked it, my reaction was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Um, Paul Schrader wrote a movie for you. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> about me. love attempting to emerge from a soil that is sallow and foul and dead and poisoned. <laughs> a well-salted earth produces a flower. Fucking crazy why so yeah i knew this i had a feeling this was coming especially with the runtime but uh sure. why now first reformed well not to get too real but this is a very 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 scary looking world yeah, sure and i think first and first reformed even though it's very concentrated on the environmental aspect i think it's very universal the Ah, the resulting despair from having to look look into the newspaper and realize you were you were helpless. Oh yeah. Where do you go when God isn't enough? Where do you turn? And that is to despair. And the movie has another has other answers for that that we will get into. But I want to state that as the, my interpretation of the initial thesis. If not God, despair. Yeah, I mean it's a crazy movie to come to. Hi, welcome to the jokey Ammonite movie night show full of jokes. Um, <laughs> it is an interesting movie to come back to this week. 
as oh, yes. the world continues to change around us every day. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we want it to, right? Without our consent, the world is changing mm-hmm. um, for the worse. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we can agree that that's the statement <laughs> as far as that goes. Oh, um, yes. And so oh, yes. it's, it's, you know, relatable more than ever to see uh, Ethan Hawke's pastor Toller, you know, just, you know, a man who has to stand up for his community just completely defeated. His community is slowly slipping away. His purpose is turning is turning from a actual religious faith and movement into a tourist attraction across the street is a mega church. Oh, where they just, where they, where they write circles around you to prove that they are right and just, did you love the mega church? I thought it was hilarious. Oh my God. That was, that was so good. It was so scathing without being too much. Like you could feel that burning anger, but it didn't go too far. There was a great scene where the, that pastor, when, when Reverend, when Reverend Teller is trying to talk to him at the ver- towards the very end, and the pastor turns around slowly in his chair, so condescendingly, just like, oh, that's the entire thesis of this church. You're not listening to me, so I'm going to just put my fi- steeple my steeple my fingers and turn around and make you chase me. Exactly, which is how people get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's how religion can, well leave scars (laughs) for those who don't know this movie it centers around pastor tuller who is the only pastor of the first reformed church in upstate new york struggling with a crisis of faith it ties into his his marriage falling apart due to the death of his son whom pastor tuller himself encouraged to join the iraq war and he was killed in action some months later and it spiraled from there. He is drinking himself to death, trying to write a journal as some form of understanding, absolution. And in this time, he is co- he's com- approached by a young woman named Mary, whose husband is an environmental activist, slowly growing more and more unhinged. And I want to leave it there just to set the groundwork. The whole movie itself is an Andrew Wyeth painting. Every time you hear a monologue, it's, oh boy, I'm going to look at some of the most pretty things I can possibly look at. I st- I've, I'm go- I've said that statement a lot, but everything is framed around the very old colonial houses and the lighting. The lighting is very much... Whenever you get Toller alone writing in his journal, the journal being the framing device of the whole story, whenever you get him alone in his house, everything is decorated like an old colonial. And he is very literally a man completely out of time, much like Johnny Swade. And it, you get the, mo- the opening of the film up until a certain point is focused on the church, the surroundings of the church, interior his house at night and then you get a cut to an early uh, late sunset and you see a car like i don't know about you but watching it for the first time i was shocked when i saw a car i obviously it took takes place in modern times but whoa oh yeah this guy has to drive somewhere 
It's also like the priest <laughs> driving is not something you think about. Like, I know it sounds silly, yeah. but I don't know about anybody else, but it's like seeing the teacher at the grocery store, right? Exactly. Watching watching him, um, you know, do maintenance around the church along with his the organ player. It's like, oh, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I had to help out a lot. I had to volunteer at the church when I grew up. And it really is an office with a big church attached to it. It sounds stupid to say it that way, but like, wow, I guess there really are finances, huh? Um, yeah. The, the mundanities mm-hmm. around the two hours you're in church um, really are, are fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm with you. I uh, I I uh, didn't go to my temple frequently as a youth, but had my bar mitzvah. I do the high holy days, and then when I got older, I used to enter the youth group. And we just like did stuff around the temple, around the uh, just the activity center, I guess you'd call it the youth group center. And it was really weird. Just be, you know, look up and see my teacher cleaning up, helping us clean up leaves, taking out the garbage. My rabbi even once came over and helped us out. It's just like, ah, you're a person, too. And this movie is chock full of those moments of pure humanity. I am. I don't know what I expected from this movie at first when I first saw it last year, but man, I was not expecting a, such a contemporary story with such contemporary themes. You know, we mm-hmm. were going to compare it. Uh, we were talking off air about the card counter, which I had some problems with, but is generally a, a similarly a commentary using a solitary man losing his mind over relevant themes. I'll leave it at that because it's a new movie. Don't want to spoil it. Um, the, the Schrader formula. But yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> true. I just was, was not prepared for a story about the environment and I wasn't ready for, I wasn't ready for the thing that drove him crazy to be the environment. It's yeah. The, uh, do you mean the environmentalist or the, well, how it affected the reverend? Yes. The way that the beliefs started to take root in the reverend's brain. But then again, when you are vulnerable, you are susceptible to mm-hmm. any kind of radical thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Which oh, is yes. part of it, which is a whole other, this movie has incredible light. You know what I mean? Like it's, it has a lot to say about the relationship between man and religion. It has very remarkably little to do with the idea of God as a physical entity and more just God as a presence, an idea of the divine. Yeah, it's about the maintenance of the relationship with God, Mm -hmm. right? Because, look, um, this is kind of a controversial statement, but I'm going to make it because when someone is vulnerable, they are susceptible to radical thinking. Yes, the environmentalist's mm-hmm. impact on past on Father Toller, right? Is mm-hmm. Schrader making a comment on religion itself? In oh, addition yes. to the environmental message on the surface of the film. Oh yes, it is definitely that point because I, I missed it at the start. His um, they spoke really fast, and I mean um. Ethan Hawke's voice is a little low and gravelly, so I thought I missed some things. I got that he became a reverend after his child's passing in Iraq, right? I don't, I don't remember if it was like a legacy thing. I know he had, he told a story of one of his older ancestors being a pastor, but I don't remember if there were ones in between. I also don't remember. I'm, I'm gonna go off like there isn't, because 
I want my theory to work. But it also says that how do he only became a reverend after the death of his child and his and the dis, disintegration of his marriage, a deeply vulnerable place, and he turned to God. And it's a it's the idea of wh- when you're hurt, what do you turn to? Right. And he turned to God. The invite the God the the man who the, the husband turned to the um, environment. It's all forms of turning to something for meaning in a place of deep pain. And I would say, yeah, Schrader definitely just went, yes, you're supposed to. You, you, right. They cro- they, I'm they not crossed crazy. The yeah. No, not in the slightest. That's fucking wild. Right. What a, uh, what a thing to say. I was going to say, I think this is one of the great American movies of the decade. Like if when we talk about great movies of the decade, this is on my list for like just overall. It's one of those that beautiful. you're going to remember. It's it's per, it's it's almost perfect. I feel like it's, you know, yeah. incredible. Uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. There was sure. some discussion um between some some friends of the show where everything looked super artificial and that was a negative. And I feel like that's the entire point of the look and feel of this movie is for everything to look artificial, right? Because everything does look artificial when you're in a place to be susceptible to radical Mm -hmm. ideas like the environmentalist Mm -hmm. husband, right? Yeah. And also, I think the artificiality does come from attempting to imitate Wyeth paint, old Wyeth paintings. And and that's deliberate just because Wyeth is... Uh, the American painter uh, like Norman Rockwell does his is the American painter, but he's the American dream. Wyeth just sort of paints America as he looks at it. He was um, and also he was uh, he was centered in Pennsylvania, Wyeth, and he was also in Maine. So these areas that he painted and were influenced for this movie are very much up its alley. And that and, you know, when you're trying to make trying to get a certain look that's replicating a painting, it does have an artificial aspect to it. But I, I think it makes it all the more beautiful and accurate to how someone, when they're, you're in pain, you see yourself in a way. It's a very, very inward myopic movie on both parts. There's when he, when the environmentalist is talking to tell uh, Toller about his like environmental stuff, immediately Toller walk talks over it. About how about how oh he's been he's just he went on about this for ages and he's constantly like fitting in ways how of his own personal stuff. It's very much in his own head, and all like the camera scenes. I think that's him imagining himself. Mm. He's seeing himself as this old, old Calvinist pastor from like nineteen tens. Um, he's the. It gives the idea that this is the proper way to be a Christian. This sort of self-torturing aspect as seen in paintings and seen in culture. But I I also feel like that also leads into the end of the movie very well, which we're going to talk about later, but I want to toss that in there. It's, It's also, you know, talking about how the mind is affected in, in moments of crisis, you know, mm-hmm. talk about the relationship with Mary, Amanda Seyfried's character, the wife, 
you know, mm-hmm. who comes to him in crisis as her husband, Michael, she's, she, she has this situation where Michael is growing more and more unhinged because he believes that the environment, you know, global warming will destroy the earth. He's encouraging his wife mm-hmm. to get an abortion because how can we bring a child into this, this world? He, he has a, mm-hmm. a suicide vest, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now Toller has to live in this kind of dark world where he's just trying to, on one hand, he's struggling with his mind on the beliefs he has. But on the other, he's doing his duty as a man of the cloth and trying to save one of his sheep, you know, at a point. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say what happens to Michael, the environmentalist, considering what we just Oh, absolutely. It's 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 an interesting moment when you know, when Toller learns that he uh Michael has killed himself, there's this situation where like it's an echo of the son dying in Iraq, right? Because a pastor's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's his child in that way. They call the, I mean, this is, I hope this doesn't come off pithy, but like, I figure they call him father for a right. reason. He's your, the, the shepherd and all exactly. that. Exactly. And then there's the evolving relationship with Amanda Seyfried's character that gets complicated in ways we'll discuss. And then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like, he ends up taking his role in a way as well as they grow in a very complicated way intimate. Mm-hmm. That wonderful, wonderful scene um, when they go bike riding together and he's monologuing, he's talking about how sometimes it's just good to get out and stretch your legs, go biking. He called exercise. He called the idea of exercise and how it makes you feel better. God, right. And that stuck with me as one lovely shot of the two of them going down the hill together. He, do you want to get just get into like the big stuff? Let's movie? get into the like big the stuff because we're at we're at it's going to end up being around uh, the hour mark anyway. Yeah, this movie deserves. Oh it, no, so no, no, no 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 no! Everything's good. Um, we're on a good pace. We're on a good pace. Yeah. So there's a scene where, as uh, she as uh, she calls it, Mary calls it uh, the magical mystery tour. Yeah, where. Um, they would were to, to achieve as much physical closeness as possible. He would lie on the ground, Michael, before he shot himself, and she would lie on top of him. Nothing sexual, just pure physical intimacy. The idea of just being able to feel only one sensation. And that's when the movie, movie's visual aspect, the painterly artificial stuff, breaks and they, the two of them float in the air, and then you see the world around them. They sort of fly over the world, through it. You see the natural beauty of God's creation. You see how we're polluting and destroying it. And that leads into the ending. I'll reference that later, because I don't want it to get to the ending just yet. But it really steps into this idea of intimacy and closeness being something beyond something beyond what we can comprehend just what we as people want and crave anyway that was a beautiful scene i very much yeah you nailed it that was amazing 
<laughs> you know, there's <laughs> there's one part where where she's where they're face to face and it's very beautiful, like on top of each other, like their noses are pretty much touching, and her hair falls from the side of her face and and obscures them. Not to be dramatic, but I like actually audibly like gasped a little just because of how beautiful yeah, it was. For sure. And then I read a review. Then I read a review that just said, "You know that Schrader was the one standing above them, holding her hair up to drop it. You know Schrader was the one." It's true. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, there's ah. Uh, wanted to, to get back into what you were talking about with um how Reverend Toller replaces Michael. Well, he starts to take on those aspects because of the megachurch subplot, right. which would you like to talk about? Yeah, there is some intrigue here. Um, it uh, it turns out, you know, I was looking at this guy and I was like, there's no way he's not Cedric the Entertainer. And then I checked the credits and it's Cedric, Cedric Kyle's. And I didn't know that that's his name. So for an hour, I was like, oh, this I don't know who that is. I knew who it was. It was Cedric the Entertainer. Fucking idiot. So um, we have all this inner conflict and the turmoil, but the plot of the movie really is about how um, one of the sponsors of the, um, what is it? Kind of like they're having a 250th anniversary celebration of the uh, opening of the church. Right. And they're going to have yeah, it the first, first slap in the face. They're going to have it at the mega church across the street. And mm-hmm. then mm. it's going to be Cedric, the entertainer, the pastor. And this guy from a company who Michael knows in his notes is dumping chemicals into the, the, the water supply. Mm-hmm. So then also, in addition to this storyline, there's another storyline where he's fallen ill and his alcoholism has given him, uh, I think it's stomach cancer, I believe, right? It doesn't yeah. look great. Even, Yeah, another aspect of, no, of nothing meaning anything and just slowly getting chewed crisis, by something out of control. Crisis begets crisis mm-hmm. begets crisis begets reconciliation begets crisis, right? Begets. Mm-hmm. So he learned about this. Now he has become the activist and that leads us into the mm-hmm. finale of the film. I think all that stuff is great. It's just very good movie material. Um, oh yeah. Like, Oh, the intrigue. It is true. Super churches are eating up smaller Catholic parishes and stuff. Mm-hmm. How'd you, Oh, how'd you, um, before we get too far to the end, how'd you like, uh, Tuller going, going to a sushi place and seeing, um, the, What's his name? I think it's Balk. The the guy who's polluting the water. He sees him as ominous music plays, and then he takes a drive around town, and you see ominous shots of him driving, and you see some guy getting the shit kicked out of him in a parking lot. It's like, ah, yes. Robert De Niro's ears are turning very red right now, Mr. Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel very... It did feel very... I, uh, I mean, it, look, Paul, look, there's nothing wrong with having a fixation, an idea that you're obsessed with. As, um, as he wrote for, for Taxi Driver about being God's lonely man, which is every single character, male character he's written. Did he write autofocus or did he just direct it? As a matter of fact, I don't know. 
Autofocus, a, f- oh. a really fucked up movie about. That you want to talk one. about a Willem Dafoe performance? <laughs> Came out the same year as the other great Willem Dafoe perform. One of the many other great Dafoe po- That's performances. Right. Autofocus, autofocus. The screenplay by Michael Gerbosi. Mm, all right. I mean, you, you can still rationalize that. Uh, Hogan's Hogan's hero man is a, is a lonely weird guy, which he is. I'm so sorry, Jared. I have to. My You're phone good. deleted my mom contact for some reason. Oh. Very odd. All right. Anyway. You're good. He's Mr. Motif. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He's. He. He was brought up a Calvinist. and He's not going to let you forget it. That is. That is definitely true. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about the finale now? Shall yes, we get there? I am. I am excited to talk about the finale. Let me just scroll my notes. So look, you know, Anton Chekhov said it best. You introduce a vest in the first act, <laughs> it's got a blow at the end. There's no way around you it. Introduce, you introduce Drano in the first act, well, someone's got to drink it. Oh my god, just nuts. So, towards the end, he, tell, he tells Mary to not come to the to the big 250th anniversary because he plans on using the using the suicide vest to destroy the guys the mega church and the guy who's head of a polluting That's company. Right. So I'll do I'm just going to do a read of the actual ending. He he's in his he's in his room. He's peeking out, seeing people walk in. He sees, okay, all the people I hate are going to be there. I'm going to destroy them. Do what Michael wanted right. to do. Puts on his, puts on the vest, puts it up. He looks out and sees Mary's out there and going in. So he immediately tears the vest off and in a very gruesome scene, um, very Christ-like, wraps himself in barbed wire, his own crown of thorns about his body. And he pours pours, uh, Drano into his whiskey glass, which has been present throughout the film. And he brings it to his lips and he hears someone for the first time in this movie say his first name, which is Ernst. Ernest, yeah. He turns over and sees Mary standing there. They run towards each other and embrace and finally kiss. The, mo- the, the camera circles around them as, as, a, as a woman singing from the church belts over the scene and it cuts to black. Boom. The Lion King. <laughs> it's the circle of life. The thing, the thing I wanted to note is that Mary's not the first one to go looking for him. Because he's he's off in his own world. He's stalling for time. He does not want to go into that church because he can't blow it up anymore. And he doesn't want to announce these horrible people to come up and speak. The, um, what's his name? The guy, the guy um, that you were talking about, the pa- the big pastor. Right. What's Joel, his, what's his Joel Jeffers. Are you talking about Cedric the Entertainer? Joel Jeffers. Cedric the Entertainer. What, what a character name. Joel Jeffers. <laughs> but Cedric the entertainer comes looking for him and tries to open the door to his house but it's locked 
But Mary, but when he looks over, Mary's already inside, even though it's Schrader establishes on purpose twice that it's locked. Which could give into a cynical idea that he this is his dying dream, and he hallucinates her, and that's the last thing he sees before he passes. He sees what he wants, which is love. It also, I think, is helped by the fact that it is a sudden cut to black with a few seconds of silence lingering that could give you that idea that he's it's dead. It's the last seconds before his brain shuts down. But I don't think I personally what I don't know about your interpretation of the scene because I I loved it so much. I don't think it's a dying hallucination. I think it is a sign sent from God to keep him from killing himself. Yes, I I agree. I it's a yeah. I think that's what it is. I think he's still he's still doing crazy shit. He's wrapping himself in barbed wire and stuff to like tell mm-hmm. God no, right? Tell God he's wrong. Mm-hmm. But but also, mm-hmm. if it was going to be a dream like that, I mean, granted, we had that kind of dreamlike sequence with the floating and whatever. Mm-hmm. I just talked myself out of my whole argument because we were <laughs> taught that sometimes moments, especially between these two, can be dreamlike. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, but it also goes into, we were talking about before, about how when you're in that place of pain, how you, you picture yourself in certain sure. ways. Yeah. Especially, especially when he's, when he's alone, he is a, he's an Andrew Wyeth painting with other people. It's, it's beautifully shot and composed, but it's not as deliberate in its extreme. Right. Pain. And when they're in love, it is dreamlike. That is the font of their interactions anyway. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The closest. And I think. What this thing is trying to say is that the closest you can get to godliness is through love. Sure. Yes. Mm, which is a very gen- general thing to say, obviously. But I have a friend who told me about the divine, as she put it. She's a dancer. And she says that when she's dancing, when she gets into it, she can feel something else, something beautiful inside that speaks of that speaks of beyond comprehension which she refers to as the divine and i think that is what it's this is trying to say that that great feeling you have in you that thing that you call the divine is just pure unfiltered affection for whatever you're doing in the moment no different from so, so someone lying on top of you and you can only feel their presence. I think that is the closest that you can get to godliness as put by this movie. Be it, my, like my friend said, with dancing, with me and my art, or just being that close to someone for the first time in who knows how long. Five out of five. I love this movie. It's can a you tell? fucking, think about that. <laughs> We're the guys who reviewed Johnny Swade a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am <laughs> talking about floating in the sky and Andrew Wyatt. But Kevin, I've rambled on enough. I want to hear your take. Even if you're repeating anything I say, okay. I don't care. I like Christ himself, first of form this. brings out the best in people. Uh, no, I mean, I think my, my take isn't that different from yours, to be honest. You know, I took okay. it 
I feel like a movie that feels like this and goes at this rhythm and presents things in this way taught us that the ending is at face value, although it's fucking berserk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, even though it is the craziest thing you could imagine, because he was driven to insanity, of course, by all this, and he was he was ill, and he's at the end of his rope, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's where he was theoretically when he joined the cloth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just such a beautiful way to it's just such a beautiful way to bring the themes of the movie to a head and to culminate everything in a way that's like either a I hated this and it was too confusing and the sending sucked or b like oh I'm gonna be watching this for the rest of my life trying to crack it. Hmm. I saw a couple people saying that they were disappointed by the ending because it didn't address like the megacorp, the church, the suicide vest, any of that stuff at the end. And I, I could not wrap my head around that because that's not the point. You even said so yourself that like the mega church stuff is it's part of the movie, but it's not the point. Batman doesn't kill the Joker. He doesn't stop the Joker in the Dark Knight. He leaves him uh, hanging from that building uh, because the movie is not about mm-hmm. the Joker. It is about the fall of Harvey Dent. Right. First reformed mm-hmm. is not a story about the mega church or, you know, whatever it's about crisis and, um, mm-hmm. uh, radical beliefs. Uh, it's about belief. There you go. It's about the way we yeah. handle belief and the things yeah. we do for belief. And in that, and in that, mm-hmm. this is a complete story. Um, maybe not in a traditional sense. Um, but I don't think any less valid. Agreed. We don't need a, we don't need a, the same story structure we've seen for all of our lives for something to be valid there there's no rules to writing grammar grammar is um just a tool for interesting storytelling methods i'm i'm cutting a phrase that i like in half when i say that but like you know what i mean it feels like a literary short story versus like a a full novel it's a slice of a human's life it's a beautiful thing first reformed yeah yeah I kind of want to watch it again, but I also want to watch the card counter. I need to give the card counter another shot. I feel like that that <laughs> Tiffany Haddish performance, though, you'll believe me when you see it. Oscar Isaac's awesome. I think it's a very well-directed oh, yeah. movie, and the other guy playing the kid is excellent. But Tiffany Haddish is in a different movie. It's very odd. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to give card. I'm going to give this movie some time to breathe. Then, just because I think you've told me off off some. You've told me off camera, off mic. And on mic. Off planet. Oh, oh, Jesus. Well, off planet. Let's leave with that. That uh, these movies are complimentary. We, I asked you that. Yeah, they're kind of, they bounce off each other a little bit. It's it's not a direct okay. relation, but they are very, um, the characters are taken from today's world. They're solitary men in bedrooms, yeah. et cetera. All the cliche letterboxed reviews yeah. about Paul Schrader films. Um and they cope with the world in separate, very unique ways. And they're challenged in very separate and unique ways. But the bones are kind of mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You know, instead of it being about global warming and the environment and, and this, the, you know what? Actually, it is also about trauma from the Iraq war. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I really want, I'm. Very interested it's in this movie. <laughs> How Great triple feature that? with Southland Tales. No, um, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> look, look, okay, that's cheating. Everything pairs perfectly with Southland Tales. You know, Southland Tales. Speaking of Southland Tales, 
I think we have closed the book <laughs> on First Reformed and Johnny Swade. A mm-hmm. a good double feature, right? Because after First Reformed, you're begging for the sweet relief of like just a nice Johnny Swade, a nice Nick Cave performance. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we have another double feature, but of a different kind. This time, Tarantino oh. and Rodriguez are back, but this time they are back to back in Grindhouse, which is my Davy Jones pick for the month of March. I'm excited. As I've, I've said multiple times, never seen either. It's going to be a big week. It's going to mm-hmm. be a big week. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm getting into. Um, I will say it is. It was like I was obsessed with it when I saw it. It blew my mind. And then I never watched it again because you couldn't. Well, you couldn't watch it again because the fucking Weinstein company sold them as two different movies. And then they didn't sell the Blu-ray for years. And then I bought that Blu-ray and then I didn't watch it for 12 years. <laughs> so. So you so you have not rewatched I have not together. seen Grindhouse. The pa- I have not seen Planet Terror, Death Proof, or the full package of Grindhouse since 2006. That's correct. Or 2007. Do you think I might rate these rate this package higher than you just because you saw it when you were younger and then it might go a little downhill? What if this is what? What if this is the one where I rate it higher for than for? The for scale once? is not designed for me to pan Grindhouse, <laughs> and it's physically impossible Fair. for you to rate it uh, higher than me. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> I already know. All right, um, but that's next week. Hey, did you see Grindhouse in the theater? Did you see it at the time? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did it blow your mind? Uh, was it old hat in comparison to maybe some Grindhouse movies that I've discovered in the meantime? So maybe Jared might be right on that. Um, Uh-oh. Let us know. Is Death Proof your favorite Tarantino or perhaps your least favorite? If there has to be a least favorite. It might as well be this one, although I think it's just as brilliant as any others. Uh, but you can agree or disagree with me by sending your thoughts to amntpod at gmail.com. That's amntpod at gmail.com. And we will read and play your emails and voicemails on the show. Also follow also follow our Instagram. Yeah, we're going to be doing some more stuff on Please. Instagram. That's exciting. You want some more goofy doodles from yeah. me? Yeah. Follow, our, follow the Instagram. Doing... It's going to be a lot of... Yes. Oh, I was just going to say I've been doing a lot of goofy doodles and I want to share them with you guys. I've had Batman fever recently because, well, Batman fever. (laughs) Oh, so expect something goofy. So expect some goofy stuff over the next few days from from our end. And uh, yeah, what if our our inst? What if Ammonite (laughs) Inc. did Batman forever? (laughs) <laughs> what a concept only only if we pair it with batman and robin oh christ um i'll make sure i lose the coin toss um folks yeah we're on instagram at amntinc um that's a one one word that's no spaces. a-m-n-t-i-n-c it's in the show notes also and uh yeah we'll be putting up a whole bunch of fun stuff and i'll be just annoying the shit out of you uh if you come follow us so wouldn't that be fun a lot of fun Maybe even I'll get to annoy you guys yes, someday. Jared, you have the power. When I remember when I remember to log in, which I am so very good. You have at doing. the power. Pro tip, you can log into two accounts at once on your phone. <gasps> Wailikers. It's possible. All right. I uh that's about it for that us, is right? Ammonite movie night. We've done it. We've done it. <laughs> Come back next week for Grindhouse. Once again. 
Once again, Kevin, we've done it. It's never been done. The 23rd episode of a podcast, maybe? Maybe 24th? <gasps> but we've done it. Oh my god. Wait, gosh. is Grindhouse 25? Oh, wait, that'd be pretty good. I like that. It, it will be. Folks, Perfect. come back for that the... Uh, what, what, what are you going to say? I was going to say we have to think of something special for the 50th. Oh, I'll do the math on that. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get on that. Perfect. Folks, that is it for this week. Come back next week for Grindhouse as we begin the road to uh, April. Cry. Countdown to crisis, boys. That's right. Countdown to crisis. And we all know from this week what crisis does to people. Uh, all right. That's <laughs> Ammonite Movie Night. We are Ammonite Inc. For Jared, this is Kev. Say goodnight, Jared. Good night, Jared. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace and love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.